I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Eric Castleton is, of course, the host of the Memphis, I should say, the Grizzlies radio network play-by-play. Uh, announcer, Grizzlies, and Bucks tonight. Eric, is does this feel like biggest game of the season so far? I would probably say so because it's a team that, I mean, the Boston game was big because it was a good litmus test, and they played well. They just didn't get a win. Um, but you're facing a similar type of defense that can really get after you. And, you know, they've – look, they've played now – I think it's 11 games uh, against teams when they played them with a record of 500 or better. Uh, if you count opening night, which never gets counted in that stat that they send out because everybody's zero right. and zero – um, you're six and six if you count that one because it's twelve with the Knicks being above five hundred. So um, you know that thing can change. You can play a team in the beginning of the year that's above five hundred by a game or two, and at the end of the year injuries or whatever, and they're a sub five hundred team. But when you played them, so this is the best team that they've played aside from Boston. They've yet to see Phoenix. They've yet to see Denver. They've seen New Orleans and split with them. Um, those were big games, but you're going to see them four times. This is right in the midst or at the end of this stretch where you played a lot of non-playoff teams and yeah. you had a task at hand and you accomplished that task, which was show that you're the better team, have professional wins, go out, don't take people for granted, don't take them lightly, don't you know overlook an opponent because you think we're just better. And they did not do that. They played really well. They played as a team and, you know, guys stepped up that next man up mentality that they go with is uh is something that's fun to watch you know so yeah this is probably the biggest regular season game the the news about steph curry changes the christmas day game but that's Mm -hmm. still probably going to be the biggest regular season game of the year regardless if he plays or not maybe not competition wise but what it means for the franchise puts a lot on that so yeah this will be fun and looking at the injury report everybody's pretty much available except for desmond and you know, we're waiting that return, and when that happens, then you're going to get to see this full complement of players. And I think if you would have said to anybody around the, the, the league that said, hey, 27 games in, the Grizzlies will be 18-9 and nine, and a chance with a big win over Milwaukee to get to 19-9 and nine, possibly 20-9 and nine with a road win before this, you know, three-game stretch against three of the best in the West, you, you'd take it with open arms, hug it, you know, turn it into the, the greatest gift you've ever gotten. Now, for the Grizzlies, they're sitting around going saying, yeah, we're 18-9, and nine, but we could be 20-7 and seven right now 
with a couple of games we just didn't play really our basketball. And that that's going to happen. And you can always second-guess the losses, but then there's nights where, you know, maybe they, they got wins that people didn't expect them to as well. So this has been a great start, and it's a great test tonight. I'm curious, Eric, you know, you've, you've been at all these games. We've watched it. Jaron has obviously taken his game, it feels like, to another level in terms of just yep. the two-way play, if you will. You know, last year he was great on defense. He may, he may be even better on defense this year, but then the offensive side of the ball just seems to be a totally different mindset. What are you seeing from him um, in particular? Uh, because you mentioned next man up. It feels like part of the reason they've been able to weather no Desmond Bain so successfully is that Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing at a, whether you want to call it all-star level or whatever, he's playing at a level I don't know if we've seen from him ever just from a two-way perspective. I think when you couple the defense, I think it is an all-star level. And I think we talk about guys getting into this league now after one year of college, whether they're 19, whether it's two years and they're 20 or they're 20 and they're only one year of college because of an extra year of prep school, whatever you want to say. Um, we see these guys take big steps forward years three, years four. Well, remember, Jaron's year three was a wash, basically. It was a, it was completely gone because of the knee injury and the bubble, and the, the, the COVID year changed a lot of things for a lot of people that way. So this is what you're seeing the development side was hoping for would be in his fourth year, which is essentially his fourth year right now. So, yeah, he's playing phenomenal. The first thing that I see, he's not picking up cheap fouls. He's able to stay on the court. He's not getting those frustration fouls when he misses an open shot and then turns and tries to reach and slap at the ball and picks up a cheap foul 90 feet away from the basket. He's staying on the floor. You saw his value. I think he realized how valuable he is to the team last year by playing in those 78 games, by the numbers he put up, by the way the defense got better. And then when you didn't see him in there this year, you saw how the defense suffered. And now when he's back, how the defense has gotten much, much better. They're now in the top ten in defensive efficiency when before he returned they were not there. And he's just playing terrific offensively. I think he's a much more willing attacker of the rim in this early part of the season. We're seeing him take guys off the bounce. We're seeing him recognize mismatches. I mean, he goes at guys that are 6'8 and shorter. Like he says, you just have no chance. Like he, It's that confidence and, and – it's not a swagger. It's not an arrogance. It's just the way you can see a guy moving where he knows this guy cannot stop me from getting to the rim. He's not big enough. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the athleticism. He's not going to prevent me from getting a point-blank look. And taking those are – I have no problem with that. Yes, the game of analytics basketball says layups and threes. Well, Jaron said, all right, well, I can get layups, and that will lead me to get some threes. I think he's taking good shots. His three-point percentage after a really bad shooting first game because that's what happens when you got to get your legs back and you haven't played in a real game since the previous season, um, that'll happen. But since that first game, he's been shooting the three-point shot, pushing between you know 36 and 40% during that stretch. I looked it up today in terms of total number of blocks, and Brooke Lopez, who comes in tonight, leads the league with, I think, 70 Seven or something along those lines, and he's played 27 plus, or 26 or 27 games. Jaron Jackson Jr. has played 11 games. He's got 40 blocks. He's 11th in total blocks. He's played 11 games. Nobody in the top 10 has played fewer, I think, than 23 or 24. So they've played twice as many games, and he's within five, six blocks of them. He's just 
really understanding how to defend the rim without, you know, committing a foul. And, yeah, of course, he's still going to commit some fouls, and he's going to have a night where he probably gets in foul trouble because he gets uber-aggressive. But you're seeing the maturity level. He's not getting caught in moments. He's not getting caught going against a good player and saying, okay, I've got to do more. I've got to be extra assertive and, you know, then picks up a, a, a silly foul when the, you really have no chance to block the shot. And all that's going to happen is you're going to commit a foul and more than likely it could be a three-point play. So, you know, the, the basketball IQ has always been there. Growing up in a basketball family, growing up with a father who played and worked his way into the NBA, a mother who loves the game and is around the game as well. You know, this was always what the, the thought of what he could be, and I think even more. I think now his next step is continuing to stay aggressive on the offensive end, is continuing as his minutes go up to see that produ- production go up. I mean, let's not forget, he's still playing less than 30 minutes a game. If this guy's playing 32 minutes a night, I have no doubt he's around 20 to 21, maybe 22 points a game, uh, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine rebounds a game. Three blocks is not unreasonable to think. A steal and his assist numbers have gone up a little bit. He can pass, uh, but the whole team passes, so it's you know hard to get four or five assists tonight because everybody's getting three and four the way they move the basketball. So I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind if you look around the bigs in the league and now the all-star game is based on just non-guard play. They just call them forwards or, or you know non-guards for the all-star game and you know, if it was a center spot, he would have a he would have a position, even though Stephen Adams plays the center. So, uh, and that's why they made that change. But I, I I don't see a lot of guys doing a lot more than he is right now, and he's certainly making an early case to be considered for Defensive Player of the Year if he continues doing what he's doing. If you had to set an over under on the next time that we see Desmond Bain in uniform, when would it be? <laughs> Man, you are, that is that's a great question. I wish I had the answer to that. If I said an over-under based on the timeline they said, knowing Dez and knowing how badly he wants to be out there, I would hope it would be before New Year's. I would hope that the the toe heals up. And, you know, this medical staff is tremendously gifted in what they do. I am always blown away. Uh, You know, I see and hear things that obviously don't go public in terms of their discussions and things I can't really talk about, but just listening it's to okay. them. It's okay. Nobody's listening here. You're good. You're just talking to us. Just listening to them talk about players' paths when they're banged up, these guys don't miss a beat. And I'm, I'm absolutely beyond impressed with their knowledge, their, their grasp of what the best thing for the player is, not for you know what the team would love to see. What's the best thing long-term? So with that said – we heard initially one to two weeks. We get past the two-week mark, they reevaluate, and it's all right. Three to you know three weeks, four weeks. That three-week mark is right before Christmas, and so if that three-week mark is Christmas time, then you got to think that the four-week mark obviously is New Year's. So you feel like we're pushing right into that realm. That would be my hope. If they feel like it's going to be detrimental to a run, you know, in January, February, where he really gets back in his groove and really helps this team surge forward into a top four spot, hopefully even higher, then they'll make that decision. But um, you think I, – I, I told somebody the other day, yes, I know they've beaten up on teams, a lot of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs or teams that were shorthanded. But they've been shorthanded too. And when this team gets their full complement of players, I, I'm watching the rest of the West and I'm not seeing anybody that looks 
head and shoulders better. Golden State on the road, two wins, every game averaging, you know, well over 114 points per ball game. That's the minimum they've given up in all of their road games. That's not happened to the Grizzlies. Dallas is still kind of figuring out how they're moving forward without Jalen Brunson. Phoenix really struggling right now. I mean, I turned out a Phoenix game against the Boston Celtics, and they're down by 50 in the third quarter on their home floor. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, how good are they? Can they be awesome? Absolutely. They're a championship contending team. Are they playing that level? Not really. Neither is Denver. New Orleans has played terrific, and New Orleans got the better of the Grizzlies in New Orleans without Zion, but C.J. McCollum was there. Then the Grizzlies got the better in New Orleans without C.J. McCollum. Those are good battles. Those teams kind of play that way against each other on their home floor. So now you've got to move forward and and try to figure out how you can take it up another level. The thing that I was was thinking about this today as I was doing my game prep – I have yet to hear any of the national pundits give Taylor Jenkins credit for the fact that each year he's been a head coach, if you look at their starts and you look at where after game 20 they go with their efficiency numbers every year, it's just a gradual, steady improvement to where you're playing elite-level basketball. Even that first year where they were, you know, 20 games left, they were 10 games above 500. Nobody expected them to be there. The next year, which was such a crazy situation, no fans and stands, guys going down left and right. Take that for what it's will. But let's take last year. Last year, 9-10 and 10 after 19 games. Your star player, non-contact, knee injury, you think the worst could be he's done for the season. The best is we get him back in two, three months. He gets back earlier. But in the time he's gone, you rip off nine wins in a row or nine out of ten, and all of a sudden you go from nine and ten to right in the thick of the playoffs. Well, how did you do it? Your defense got better. And so what's the biggest thing about defense? It's, it's, you know, it's being on the same page. It's that, uh, it's that staying together. It's that camaraderie. It's that, uh, you know, cohesion that, that comes from, you know, not turning over the roster. Well, they kind of turned over the roster each year. New guys have come in. New guys have had to step in because of injuries. And then when the roster gets full and guys have figured things out, it all comes together. So I think that's one of the the real things about this staff that's so special is their ability to continue to improve throughout the season. And when they have their full complement and guys understanding their roles and even stepping out of their roles because of injuries and improving, but then being willing to step back into their roles when the – person that's injured or not available comes back that that's a that's a testament to really buying into the system and what it's teaching these guys yeah it is interesting like taylor jenkins is gonna i mean because lionel hollins and hubie brown like they were it felt like they were bigger faces of the franchise and maybe this is just because there's never been someone like john morant on the grizzlies who kind of takes up a lot of the I also think, don't you think, Eric, in general, coaches are becoming less and less, like, especially in the NBA, it feels like, feels like coaches are almost becoming like managers in, like, European soccer, where, you know, you're not really expecting them to be there for, like, these, you know, decades, decades anymore, and now it's, like, more of the focus is on the players than the coach. Because it just feels like Taylor Jenkins is in the background, and you're right, Eric, or you're right that, like, I mean, he's done a remarkable job here now in year four. He's gonna—he's on pace probably. I'm not. 
you know, I'm not trying to diminish what Lionel Hollins has done. He's very clearly the greatest coach in franchise history, took the team to a Western Conference Finals. But, you know, Taylor Jenkins is, you know, quickly becoming, you know, if, you know, I think probably Hubie maybe is still the second best, but I don't know. Like, Taylor Jenkins is probably, other than Lionel Hollins, the best coach this franchise ever had. And it just feels like it's kind of been, he's kind of a periphery figure a lot of times, seen as that. Well, Obviously, the top three prior to Taylor were Lionel, Dave Yeager, and Hubie Brown. And mm-hmm. Hubie's time got cut short. I mean, he had basically one full season. And had, in fairness, it felt had, like it was it was motivated by players, but it, Hubie cut his time short. Yeah, it was. It just it, the same thing, and I, I've said this before. The same thing that made him successful makes it hard to to turn that right. run long term, especially today's age, where guys want more minutes, want more touches, because that's dollars and cents. Um, I think now the game would suit Hubie even better than it ever did with guys being willing to play fewer minutes, get more touches when they're on the floor, and maintain their health and maintain their longevity, and and that would bode really well to the 10-man system that he ran. Um, Yes, Lionel did remarkable things, um, and obviously, as you said, Western Conference Finals, I think Dave Yeager's coaching job was phenomenal especially the year where they were in first place they were basically threatening a top spot in the west in a 60-win season and then everybody goes down mark mike mario i mean just every single person possible that could get hurt gets hurt they make the playoffs and you never hear greg popovich ever say anything to the tune of hey look in the end let's look at the rosters look at what they have out on the floor and it's just not fair and it's not their fault to get there was an amazing job by this staff, but they're overmatched against our guys with the players that they have. And he's right, because if that roster that they played that playoff series and got swept against the Spurs had played all 82 games, they would have won maybe 20, 22. They would not have been a playoff team. They would have probably been the top spot in the lottery and looking for the number one pick. But the start of the season was what it was, and they made it work. So... I'll be honest with you. I think right now, and I'm not afraid to say this, I I think Dave Yeager's a phenomenal basketball coach. I think right now Taylor Jenkins has asserted himself as the second-best coach in this franchise history. I think Dave's a 2A. I think Hubie's a 2B. It's hard to say third and fourth, but Hubie's longevity hurts that. And I think in two or three years, when Taylor Jenkins has every coaching record possible with this group, I don't think it's a doubt that he's going to be the best coach in this franchise's history. It's not a knock on Lionel. Again, it goes to longevity. This is a run that I look at now having done this 21 years and thinking of how many people have come through the door. And, you know, you look in the media guide and you look up players. Oh, yeah. And now you walk through the hallway, uh, you know, where the employees enter and there's a team picture. And I love walking by with my son. He'd be like, who's that guy? I say, oh, that guy's he was there, and he was here for a year. And it's fun to see those faces. What I really like seeing is four and five years with about 12 guys of the same that, that are the same players, six years, seven years. And that's what you're looking at right now, where seven, eight guys are going to be on those pictures for a long time. And as I said from the day I got into this city and coming from Sacramento and watching San Antonio, continuity breeds success. Look at San Antonio's core group. They stayed together for as long as they did, and they sprinkled in the right people in the right places. Sure, guys left, but the basic guys that really were the core of that, of that unit were there. Well, where did this guy learn from? That, that coach. 
that's where Mike Budenholzer learned from. Look at Milwaukee. They're keeping that same group together. They try to have as little turnover. You don't have to be a team like some of these, you know, big market teams feel like they are. Go out and every year make this huge push to make a splash in the free agent market because you have the money to go over the cap. There's no doubt about it. One of the richest owners in the NBA is Robert Para, and, and he could write a check for the salary cap, you know, luxury tax and not blink an eye and not even think about it probably. I'm sure you blink an eye because it'd be a lot of money. But if they're doing it the right way, they don't necessarily have to. Guys want to play and win. Guys want legacies. Guys want long-term possibilities after. If you're just a guy that bounces team to team and you're a former NBA player, sure, there's opportunities post-playing career for you to make money. But if you're a guy that played on a team that went to multiple finals or you win a championship, maybe two, or you go to multiple you know, Western Conference finals, you now have uh, something that a lot of guys don't. Not everybody plays in an NBA Finals. Not everybody plays in a conference finals. And a lot of great players did not. A lot of great players never got there. I mean, I can think of a few off the top. Now, sure, the best of the best have all won championships, and we know that. But when you tell a guy, hey, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to get minutes, and you're going to make a really nice living, and your grandkids and great-grandkids and possibly great-great-grandkids will be taken care of, you feel pretty good about it. And with the way the dollars are escalating because of the television deals, it's a lot easier to keep these complimentary pieces from bouncing for a couple million more over a contract when they're comfortable where they're at and they know they're going to win and they know it's going to be fun to play the game. Because I can't tell you how many guys I've seen leave situations, get somewhere where, boy, the grass sure looks greener on that other side and that money sure looks greener. And then they get there and they're like, yeah, but basketball isn't as fun as it used to be. And now it feels more like work than it did. And when you're making the kind of money some of these guys make, there's something to be said about being really, really happy in where you are and enjoying what you're doing every day. Eric, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good call tonight. Guys, are you off next week? No, we're here. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're here. If you're here, the next. No, next week we're gone. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm sorry. Next. We're here next week, but. The week after Christmas, yeah. so whatever. The tr- okay. starting well, the twenty sixth. I didn't know if I needed to wish you and your families a uh, Merry Christmas. No, I'm wearing no, my green now, pants. Just like our good friend Chris Berman, you can you be, the could first. be the first. You can be the first to wish us a Merry only, Christmas. With that being said, did Boom wish wishes Merry Christmas on Monday? No, we were just told about. Pre- remember, he was just talking about holiday gifts. Well, I didn't. It was gift. Okay, so so yeah. Boom, I'd say wait, let Boom do it first. It always feels special when Boom's the first person. Yeah. Would you? Uh, would you be the, the brave uh, production assistant to give Boom a 12-pack of Diet Coke for that legendary rant he had one time and just every Christmas just drop that on his desk with a bow on it? Because I, I think that would be hilarious. But, no, I've got my green pants, white shirt, red tie, because this is the last time we'll see our home fans before the holiday. And so uh, I do want to uh, wish my son, even though he's inside uh, working out right now at the Shoot 360, a happy birthday tomorrow. So, it's a fun time of year, and I'm looking forward to uh, a really fun night tonight at the uh, at the FedEx Forum. Enjoy it, buddy. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.